7.32. Now, last week, Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe told reporters he'd vowed at the grave of his father to soon start a constitutional revision debate, a long-held goal to remilitarize Japan back to its pre-war state with the support of some conservatives, as well as the right-wing lobby group Nippon Kaigi. Now, for further discussion, let's bring in Professor Michael Chuchek from the Department of Political Science at Temple University, Japan. Good morning to you. Good morning. So it was during last week's Bonn holiday that Prime Minister Abe paid tribute to his maternal grandfather, Nobusuke Kishi, and then went to his father, Shintaro Abe's grave. Uh, he didn't go to the Yasukuni Shrine, but did send a, a ritual offering there, which has drawn controversy in the past. Not as much as his personal visit there, though, previously. What messages do you read into these actions? Um, Mr. Abe just lost an election. Well, he won, but he, he lost his uh, two-thirds majority in the House of Councillors, making it difficult for him to actually carry through his vow to... Uh, changed the constitution to amend it. And he wanted to show his supporters that even though they have don't have the votes in the House of Councillors, that he hasn't given up on their grand project, which is to alter the constitution, particularly Article 9, the peace article. Uh, he did this in a public way uh, during a traditional time of um, making vows, at least for him, and he does so on the graves of his ancestors, and that makes it seem, at least, uh, that he is indeed committed. I, I was speculating earlier whether Prime Minister Abe's stance is, is more to do with the product of being part of the post-World War II generation. Um, in other words, not having lived through the horrors of, of World War II and, and the real impact of those policies, or... Perhaps we see a combination of that and what he feels he may owe to his ancestors, those who are, are demonized um, in, in the wake of everything that Japan did in the early part of the 20th century. In other words, trying okay. to perhaps restore what was good uh, about it in his view. Yeah, he certainly has that as a stated goal. And having stated goals is great. But it's whether you can put them into practice or not. Uh, he unfortunately knows that he really cannot uh, he in dis he does not, for example, say I will change the constitution. Uh, his vow this uh, this August was I will start the conversation. Well, good goodness gracious, you've been in power since 2012 uh, and been talking about this uh, process since then. Uh, this is a pretty uh, weak tea, I'm sorry to say. Uh, and indeed, he does have a long-term project, as many of the members of the Nippon Kaigi do, uh, to uh, try to, if not whitewash, or at least uh, change the image of their parents and grandparents. Uh, these are people who have a personal project, a personal stake, uh, in the changing of the image of the pre-1945 era. How, how worrisome is this lobby group, the Nippon Kaigi, that I referred to before that you just mentioned again, and, and how powerful are they? It was worrisome about 20 years ago when all the principals were a lot younger, when the persons who were organizing it were in their 50s, and the uh, young, uh, relatively young uh, politicians like Mr. Abe, whom they sponsored, uh, were in their 40s. Now, uh, this group, 
despite the fact that it does control uh, significant financial resources, does control uh, large blocks of certain uh, religious organizations, uh, they nevertheless are in their 70s, and Mr. Abe and his uh, generation of politicians are in their 60s. Uh, this is not a, a vanguard anymore, and they don't have a new generation of highly nationalistic youth uh, that they are leading. They are uh, an old group, and time is running out for them. But if time's running out, does this also make them dangerous right now, um, given the report that over 80% of Prime Minister Abe's cabinet actually belongs to this group? I mean, firstly, is that something that we can say is true? And secondly, oh, if it is I true, what does most, it mean? Yeah, most researchers actually, who the Nippon Kaigi doesn't uh, say who is, who's in it. Uh, and the uh, Diet members group that is associated with the Nippon Kaigi is kind of uh, shaky about uh, its releasing information about its membership. Nevertheless, the uh, researchers on the outside say uh, that at least 90% of the current cabinet, this fourth uh, reformed cabinet, uh, is members of the Nippon Kaigi. But you have to understand, it's, uh, it's in their interest to be members uh, because they get the support of a, a major organization that's behind the Nippon Kaigi, which is Jinja Honcho, the uh, official juridical organization that represents about 80,000 uh, Japanese Shinto shrines. Uh, some major shrines are not members of this organization, but most shrines are. And from that, you can get uh, campaign workers, you can get campaign donations, you can get votes. And therefore, Whatever the ideology, the, the political sense, the idea of getting voters, uh, drives many of uh, Japan's politicians to be ostensibly members of uh, the Nippon Kaigi's political arm. We don't get too much of a glimpse into this world of um, conservative religious groups. We talk occasionally about the Yasukuni Shrine and its controversy, uh, particularly as it relates to the housing of the spirits of World War II criminals and, and, and so on, and the, and the way in which Prime Minister Abe visited in person in the past, but uh, more recently sends offerings. But can you broaden the discussion for us and explain how conservative religion ties into politics? Well, the thing is that, you, is that uh, conservative religion, or so-called conservative religion, is really more radical than conservative. They, they want, many religious groups want to change Japan. The thing is, is that the LDP, the major party, is so broad that it has competing religious groups within it as its supporters. And Therefore, there is no single message that drives the uh, religious background to uh, membership in the various parliamentarian leagues, so that they have actually deadly enemies, uh, religious groups that absolutely hate each other, still working for LDP candidates alongside each other. Uh, it's uh, a... Yes, the religious groups are there. Yes, they want to change Japan, but they want to change Japan in different ways, and they despise each other. And the, what they do is eventually they negate each other in terms of effects on actual policy. 
for the most part. Nippon Kaigi and its association with the Shinto shrines has been remarkably successful in pushing forward some of its initiatives. What kind of influence then um, can we say, or to what extent can we say that shaping of current Japanese politics has come from these groups? You could say that for certain particular areas, one, we would have to focus on the two that Nippon Kaigi are most interested in, education and constitutional revision. Uh, they have a tremendous amount of influence on the debate itself. Uh, and indeed, in terms of education, the Nippon Kaigi and groups like it have had several successes. They were able to reform uh, under the first Abe cabinet in 2006-2007, the education law, uh, first time anybody had touched it since 1947, uh, including uh, greater emphasis on patriotism and, and, and national awareness. Uh, they've managed to get morality as a class uh, that is taught in, in uh, the schools, uh, it, it's one hour, uh, but you, you, and they provide uh, through their organizations the morality textbooks, but they're very, very mild and milk toast. Uh, they've had some successes in, in, re- in regards to some of their broader goals, but in terms of a return to militarism, a, turn, a return to hyperpatriotism, a return to worship of the emperor, uh, if that is indeed their goals, they're nowhere closer to it than when they started 20 years ago. Right, but there's nothing too mild, is there, about the impact of, of what we're seeing, the, Japan's trade cooling towards South Korea, however you want to describe it. Uh, obviously, Japan has been hiding behind the idea that uh, it's doing nothing wrong. Uh, South Korea feels very much as though it's been deliberately targeted at uh, large tech firms and other products, potentially in, in turmoil as a result of Japan's effective trade restrictions. Is this down to this extreme conservatism, that the radical groups that you've been talking about today? They would love to promote that but they're, in fact, almost irrelevant in this regard. Uh, Japan does not have a major uh, capacity to threaten other countries militarily uh, and will not ever have such a uh, capacity. Uh, therefore, it is very, very reliant on international law and on international agreements in order to protect itself. Uh, the actions of the Supreme Court uh, in Korea uh, are a direct threat uh, to Japan's vision of the way the world should be, a world of international law, a world of international custom, uh, and therefore the reaction on the part of the Abe administration is much more on the side of this uh, use of international law than the use of an, a new ingrained uh, sense of Japanese superiority or excellence that uh, the Nippon Kaigi and its ilk would uh, like to promote. But, but how deep is the anti-Korea feeling right now, would you say? Uh, is this something that the, the mainstream can get past in a hurry, or, or is this the, the new normal for now? It's the new normal. The, the, it's anti-Koreanism is uh, basically uh, from a sense of uh, exhaustion. Uh, after the, the uh, next year, there'll be the 75th anniversary of the end of World War II and the, uh, the freedom of Korea, under the Cairo Declaration, uh, that, okay, it's 75 years on, 
1965, there was a normalization of relations to South Korea. North Korea is a completely different kettle of fish, but come on, this is this has gone on too long. And what you do not have to ascribe uh, to a belief that pre-1945 Japan was a beautiful Japan that we must return to, uh, including all of its military glory. You do not have to ascribe to that and still be completely exhausted uh, by the continuing anti-Japanese feeling that uh, many Japanese see as emanating uh, from Seoul and from Busan. We have a message uh, here, which we can finish on. Um, Summer 0829 through our app asking you, Professor, I heard the new emperor has a different stance with Prime Minister Abe. Is that true? And Well, does that mean the emperor has no power? Uh, the question of the emperor, current emperor and his, his father, who just uh, released the throne, uh, both of them uh, are holding on to a tradition that goes back at least 1,500 years, if not 2,000 years. Uh, Mr. Abe and his conservatives are relatively newcomers, and they are thinking, the emperor and the, the current emperor and the previous emperor, think on grounds of how do we preserve the imperial palace, how do we preserve the imperial institution, uh, and they see much uh, a longer-term uh, place for Japan in East Asia uh, than Mr. Abe and his more uh, aggressive at radicals do. So, unfortunately, however, under the Constitution, uh, the uh, imperial family and the imperial house has zero political influence and indeed is prohibited from making political statements. So, yes, the emperor is, is powerless, and no, they don't agree uh, with uh, any kind of aggressively uh, anti-Chinese or anti-Korean stance. Well, just look for a global comparison at the uh, contentious nature of Brexit and calls for Queen Elizabeth II to intervene, and she's not done so. Um, Professor Michael no, it, Chuchek, thank you. And it, nor will she, I hope. <laughs> nor will she. I don't think she's about to, no. But, um, but it's an interesting uh, idea, the way uh, monarchies or imperial regimes uh, coexist with democratic politics. It's great to have you with us on the line, Professor Chuchek. Wonderful chance to speak.